1: What we talking about, Indianapolis, AFC
0: South, Stampede Blue, let's air it out, fly route, let's air it out, topics, loaded like offense, Colt-centric, talking about it often, Stampede Blue, let's air it out, fly route, let's air it out, to a big.
2: For an don't take Welcome offense. back to another Stampede Blue Colts, <laughs> Colts cast. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm your host Matt Dainley. Thank you guys for coming back to the show. Uh, today we've got a little bit of a mix and match with our show, being that it's somewhat of a slow news time uh, for the Colts and whatnot. We're going to go through a little bit of news, uh, little some interesting things that uh, I've seen uh, floating around the past couple days, and uh, also going to have kind of the opposite of what this podcast normally does, which is somebody interviewing me. Uh, Derek Capella, who does uh, some work for Rams Talk, he does a lot of the, uh, kind of goes around the NFL and talks to different writers and, and different contributors and whatnot, and uh, we just did an interview not too long ago, and uh, to kind of to just kind of add to that piece, we're going to go ahead and add that into today's show. So we've got that for the back. I think it's roughly about 25 minutes or so uh, on that end. But, you know, first let's get to kind of some news uh, and, and some interesting things. Chris Wessling uh, of Around the NFL for NFL.com ranked the NFL's top 10 offenses uh, recently on, at NFL.com. And this is something you expect, especially top 10. You would expect the Colts to be in there considering what they did last year being well above, in my opinion, a top five NFL offense, and there really didn't seem to be that, uh, that kind of supercharged uh, you know, playmaker in there outside of T.Y. Hilton. Obviously, Eric Ebron had a phenomenal year, but all in all, the offense was, was really impressive for what the Colts had. I mean, nobody expected necessarily the offensive line to be as good as it was. Nobody really expected the running game in general, whether it would be the running backs or the offensive line uh, creating the yards that they did. And the and you know the wide receivers for the most part outside of uh, about a four or five game span I think it was where they had s- some real struggles with some drops they turned it on in the second half of the season and really kind of impressed uh, a little bit of everybody considering you know that there just wasn't considered to be top level talent necessarily at the receiving core behind TY Hilton so let us talk about this first and foremost they have the New Orleans Saints ranked number one. Which you can understand that the the Saints. I mean, anything with Drew Brees is going to be high powered. There's going to be a lot of passing going on. Obviously, there's going to be a lot of things that he uh, brings to that team, plus the receiving core and the you know the excitement that they brought to the team last year outside. I mean, especially with Michael Thomas uh, getting you know Jared Cook in there, Traquan Smith. They've got a nice little uh, set. Uh, Cameron Meredith, even you know, kind of wondering what he brings to it, but. Uh, getting to the Colts, Colts at number two on this list. Uh, I don't know that I would say I'm actually surprised, but I'm uh, maybe I would be. Maybe I am a little surprised. I think I'm just surprised. I, Chris Wessling's a very well-known Colts, uh, Chris Ballard, Frank Reich, Indianapolis type fan right now, and I don't. I'm not trying to say that that's his team, but he's been outspoken in terms of how he feels about the way the team's been built, the way the offense has been structured the way the defense has been, you know, just a little bit of everything. The, the same impression that you and I have been getting on the Colts and Chris Ballard and so on and so forth of the past couple of years, uh, Chris Wessling's kind of in that ballpark as well. And he ranked different the different pieces of the offense, uh, at quarterback, backfield, receiving core, and offensive line. So let, let's talk about it, and, and I'll kind of read, you know, little snippets of what he wrote on there. Obviously, he has quarterback at with an A in terms of grade, Andrew Luck, of course, come on, you know, then Jacoby Brissett, one of the top, uh, I would say top three to five backups <clears throat> in the NFL right now. And then when you have the the way that uh, Andrew Luck came back, you know, last year, uh, getting comeback player of the year, uh, excellent, you know, he's almost 30 years old, he's a former number one draft pick, a lot of things go into that, I think it's fairly obvious why the Colts got an A at quarterback backfield with marlon mack naheem hines jordan wilkins and spencer Ware. that's just what they have right now uh from week seven that's not all they have actually from week seven through indianapolis uh through indianapolis vic- indianapolis's victory over the texans in the wild card round marlon mack led all running backs in rushing first downs with 51 ranked second in carries with 197 rushing yards 933 and rushing touchdowns 10 that's pretty impressive Uh, Can he stay healthy, run between the tackles, match that level of production across 16 games in the postseason run? Uh, Receiving specialist Hines caught 63 passes as a rookie and second most targeted player uh, on the Colts uh, receiving core. You know, our third most, I'm sorry, third in in targets and catches. Uh, Showcased his ability to beat linebackers and safeties on third downs. Uh, And then Spencer Ware, who's a versatile former Chiefs backup, comes in. You know, as a little bit of a uh, f- little bit of depth there, Um I, I think that this is a, a really talented core too. Uh, I like, I think B. I would even put them maybe at a B minus. You know, B is awful high for a team that's kind of finally shown the thing. We don't know that Marlon Mack can really do the between the tackles type thing, as Chris has you know mentioned. It's something that we've wondered itself. He did a pretty good job last year in spurts. Uh, I really want to see him kind of take it to the next level and or just build on his, uh, his confidence going between the tackles. That's really important right now. Hines is going to have to be able to run the ball, though. Hines is a hell of a good receiver out of the backfield, does a nice job splitting out, uh, gets himself in the slot a little bit. They use him kind of as a, a tinker toy a little bit. You know, they'll play around with him. But he's got to learn how to – he's got to be able to run the ball. He just wasn't very good at running the ball last year. Uh, Jordan Wilkins, we saw him – he was so uh, inconsistent, and, and I don't necessarily mean his production – uh, it was more of, does he play? Does he get any snaps at all? You know, a couple times you see him break for a nice big run. He shows some power. Whereas he was kind of labeled as a finesse guy coming out of, uh, out of college. I think Wilkins is a, is a good piece. I think he sticks around Spencer Ware's kind of, in my opinion, is kind of the wild card here. You, you see, you've seen him be a stud in Kansas city. You've also seen him play like crap. So I, I like this backfield. Um, I don't know that Spencer Ware makes a massive impact on it to me. He's To me, he's just depth and a guy who can rotate in. And I think he can take some of the first and second down snaps uh, from Mac if Mac has a heavy workload that or is getting a heavy workload that day. Uh, but, you know, I, I just don't – I don't know that I would go quite as high as B, although I do really like the backfield. I want to see Hines become a running back, actually a running back too, uh, as well as being that, that piece out of the backfield who can catch – Line up anywhere <clears throat> within the Colts offense and, and kind of do it that way. The receiving core, uh, he has at a B. Now, this is a major improvement on what anybody would have said about the Colts wide receiver or the receiving core, including tight ends, I suppose. So I think that's pretty accurate. Um, Hilton Funches, Paris Campbell, Chester Rogers, Zach Pascal, and Deion Kane. Deion Kane, uh, I, I'm hype about uh, Kane i make no bones about it anytime somebody asked me about it i said well you're forgetting about Deion kane Deion kane was an ass kicker in, in camp last year and he absolutely was there is a obvious worry about you know does that knee make him lose confidence or keep him from gaining the confidence we saw last year with him uh before you know uh the the season or even preseason really starts how long does that take for that confidence to come back i think it's going to take a little while Anytime we really see guys, you know, whether it be Andrew Luck, we talked, they talked about confidence. When you see ACL injuries from other guys or lower leg injuries, anything like that, you know that they need that confidence. Hell, I have to do it when I have an ankle injury. I mean, just simple stuff. You think about it all the time, and to get to a point where this guy isn't thinking about it anymore, as aggressive as he is attacking the ball wherever it's at. Um, that, I think that's going to take a little bit. I think he's going to look a little less like himself initially, but I think once the season gets into a few games, I think we'll see Deion Kane really start to flash and people are going to say, that's the guy that everybody was talking about last year in training camp. Uh, I really like obviously the tight end group, I think, and it goes far beyond Eric Ebron and Jack Doyle. You've got some other guys in there that, you know, are going to be very, very good third and fourth. Tight ends, depending on how many they keep, uh, like Paris Campbell. You like what he brings. I don't know that Chester Rogers gets a lot of snaps this year. Quite honestly, Devin Funches adds that uh, that 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 nice piece across the middle as a possession guy. He also has enough speed to kind of run some vertical routes. Um, but I think that he is a guy who also threatens in, in the uh, in the red zone as well. So I love what the Colts have right now at wide receiver. Could it get a little better? Sure. But I really like going to what they've got here. Um, Andrew Luck is going to have, I think, an excellent season with this. I just hope that we don't see some sort of a fall off with Eric Ebron. I hope we don't see some weird rookie stuff with Paris Campbell. Um, And I hope that Pascal can grow off of what he showed last year. So if any of that and all of that can happen, the Colts should be in pretty good shape. Offensive line, he had them graded at an A minus. Uh, I like that too, especially when you're looking at last year. But we all know, we all know, it, offensive line can vary drastically. We, I mean, everybody talked about the Cowboys offensive line for a year or two and then look at them recently. Yes, there's been injuries. Yes, there's been guys who have been out for extended periods of time. But all that can happen. All it has to do is one bad hit in training camp and you end up getting a guy – sitting on the sidelines. They just re-signed Mark Golinski or extended him. What if he goes down? I mean, <clears throat> it's not like Dyer, but that is a key part of your interior offensive line right there that's going to be sitting on the sidelines for a little while. Ryan Kelly just got his fifth-year um, option picked up. they still got Joe Haig and Evan Baim, so they've got some quality depth. They grabbed a couple guys in the draft. The offensive line is really impressive, in my opinion, right now. They've got to find – um, that that smoothness in order to keep that going. That's not going to be easy. You're going to have a new offensive line coach. He gets his prayer sung uh, all the time, but he still needs to come come correct, for lack of better words, because Dave Dugugliamo was worked a masterpiece with these guys. Yes, you had a new offensive line, or you had a new uh, offensive guard in Quentin Nelson, who was a stud of the draft, in my opinion. Braden Smith surprised everybody, um, going not only uh, to being nobody, basically, to a starter, but going from guard to tackle, he brings a lot of what the Colts need, and and I'll say even desperately need. That athleticism on the edge, <clears throat> he's going to have to be a little better this year uh, in terms of being able to take speed rushers and power guys, but I think that you're going to see some growth with these guys. I really like – and. <clears throat> I, I get this offense can be so kind of uh, strange and finicky almost. You want everything to work right. And if it does work right, these guys can be amazing. They could be absolute chart toppers in terms of offense. Uh, the offense, the the wide receiver core could be one of the better in the league, including the tight ends, I suppose, not just the wide receivers. But you could have another year with a great offensive line. Your running game could pick up even more. And Andrew Luck could have another stellar year. That is really bad news for NFL defenses. Whoever they play, whichever conference, any division, doesn't matter. So I like this. The offense, I think, yeah, I'd I I'd give them top five uh, for sure. They also have the Eagles in the mix at three, Atlanta Falcons at four. I don't know that I agree with that. Uh, and the L.A. Rams at five. There's you know the Chiefs, kind of hard for me to believe that they're not higher. Uh, the Cleveland Browns. that's uh, a bit of a, a, I think that you can see it. But obviously you know the additions of Odell Beckham um, and you know Baker Mayfield playing such a nice having such a nice rookie season last year. They've got the guys in the backfield as well. So that that to me should be, you know, I think they should be a little higher. I don't know that seven is doing them justice, but they're still somewhat unproven. Uh, The Chargers are at eight, Steelers at nine, and the Packers at 10. Um, I think the biggest surprise for me would have to be the Kansas City Chiefs at six. That seems a little strange to me, considering I would definitely put them uh, above the Falcons. I would definitely put them above the Eagles. And we saw what they did against the Colts defense last year. So, I mean... Quite honestly, I'm putting them above the Indianapolis Colts. I don't know that I'm putting them above the Saints because I think that they were both neck and neck all year last year. But I think you could definitely make a case for the Colts at number three in this. I think three is a pretty good spot for the Colts, objectively. So uh, that's kind of where I'm going with that. But it, nice write-up from Chris Wessling and in, in very informative. And, and you kind of li- like to see the national guys actually being, you know, intelligent about how they're seeing – what we're seeing, and, and that they are kind of digging into it, not just looking, uh, reading surface letters, more, uh, for lack of better words, to to get their information. Uh, moving on, the Colts signed four guys out of rookie mini camp. Um, you like seeing that? You like the the positions that they did it here? They got a kicker, Cole Headlin. Not necessary, but you know uh, he may be you know the next stud. The Colts are definitely going to need one in the next couple years. Uh, Defensive tackle Sterling Shippey, cornerback Shaquille Taylor, and linebacker Trey Thomas. Uh, All players participated in the 2019 rookie minicamp on tryout basis and were signed afterwards. So uh, Clayton Hatfield was waived, uh, cornerback Chris Rayford, and defensive end Anthony Wimbush, who went back and forth between the roster of the practice squad about seven or eight times last year. He's gone right now. Headland's a 5'9", 162-pound guy. Uh, out of North Texas. Shippey's 5'11, 295 uh, from Alcorn State. Uh, 32 and a half tackles for loss, 11 sacks in his career. Um, Taylor is 5'11, 175 pounds. Played 21 games at Kansas. Compiled 55 tackles, uh, one tackle for loss, three picks, and eight passes defense to force fumble as well. Thomas, 6'1, 221. Played in 51 games at Colorado State. 218 tackles, 18 and a half for loss, four and a half sacks and interceptions, six passes defensed, and a in a fumble recovery. I think when you look at the um the entire piece of this, you you have to like the fact that Thomas looks like a playmaker at linebacker. That's already a deep class, right? The the linebacking group went from one of the worst in the league. To one of the better in the league last year, and looks to be even considerably deeper this year. Uh, You'd you just like to see where the Colts are going with this. I, I don't think that anybody's too excited about half or you know Headlin in terms of him being uh, just a, a a kicker. But you know we also know that Vanitari is going to be out without any you know before long. He he's just not going to do it forever, as much as we think he's going to do it forever. So. Um, that's kind of what we've got for today in terms of all of that. It'll be interesting to see once all this off season program starts really kind of churning how things start working out. I'm, I'm really excited for this year. I think that you guys are too. And rightly so, this is going to be a fun Colts team to watch. Uh, just a note, I'm going on vacation today. Uh, I'll be back a week from today. I am going to have my stuff with me, but I'm not going to, and if I do a show or two, it's definitely not going to be kind of the uh, the quality, I guess you would say, in terms of the audio from the microphone, because I'm not going to be taking all of my equipment with me, but I'll definitely be doing a show or two. I'll be relaxing, so I'll have plenty of time to think about it. Um, if you guys have any ideas, hit me up on Twitter at SB. And we'll try to get some shows up. Like I said, kind of a slow news time right now. Not a whole lot going on. This offseason program kind of goes in spurts. And uh, it should be interesting. You know, the Colts did sign Ware. That's nice. You know, there, there's going to be some of these late, later blooming free agency uh, little areas popping up throughout where a couple guys get signed for a team. And, uh, and just, you still wonder why they're there. A lot of people are talking about Adamic and Sue being a, a target for the Colts, uh, a couple others. There's plenty, there's other guys out there that are really actually pretty interesting that the Colts could bring in. So it'd be fun to keep an eye on what's going on with that. And if there's any news, um, I may be on the beach. I may be listening to live music. Hit me up. Message me, DM me, or whatever. (laughs) If I don't already know about it, let me know what's going on because this is all about relaxation for me, getting some time away, uh, needing it. So I hope that you guys have uh, a nice week. I hope that everything goes well. Like I said, if you guys know of anything that I don't know about, hit me up in a message because I'm going to be as off the grid as possible, and then I'll do a show about it uh, as soon as I get that information. So um, thank you guys all for listening. Uh, Again, Derek uh, Capola is – Kapala can't even say his name, uh, has an interview with myself here right after this. We're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back with that interview.
0: Most of the time we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it then in that moment. You don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts. Hello, I'm Neeli Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out; we think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Okay, folks, I am here with Matt Dainley from the Colts Cast podcast. It goes on last year, had a really great interview with him for the tour in the league. Have, have him back this year. And it's a bit of a different feeling around the Indianapolis Colts. How you doing?
2: I'm doing great, man. I'm doing great. This is uh, an exciting year to you know this is kind of the year this is uh this is either the year that you're going to see them take another step or you're going to probably see you know it, just in general you have to be realistic about it you could see them level a little bit and then you know um they just seem to be at the middle point in this rebuild and uh with the potential to, to even be better than that so it's an exciting time for Colts fans to be quite honest with you you look at everything that they've done over the course of just the past couple of years with Chris Ballard, uh, Frank Reich leading the charge there, and they've got everybody buying in. So I mean, this is a, it's an exciting time for fans, for the city, and uh, just to know that you've got a GM and a and a head coach that are in lockstep with each other and that really uh, you know kind of are, are fighting for each other, and which is something that, you know Colts fans haven't seen in a while. I mean, if I'm honest, I didn't. Ex- I didn't see this coming. I thought the
1: Colts were probably still a year away right. before making that move. Then they start one and four and catch fire. Mm-hmm. So, what changed with the Colts that made them into a playoff contender? And now, how do you evaluate that 2018 season as a whole?
2: Uh, the I mean, to evaluate it as a whole, you ha- I mean, you, you, look, we we all know that they were they overachieved. I mean that that much in my opinion is is obvious, right? I don't know that anybody's really going to say that that's how they pegged the Colts to be. Most people, uh, and I think that most of us at the site at Stampede Blue had them uh, pegged at you know eight nine wins max, you know, and they you know they did that and more, and and then you see kind of how they brought everything together. Uh, it, it's it's exciting, and and I agree with you. you. You get, and that's kind of what I was saying at the top here. You you. You see that they overachieved last year. They've got more pieces, more speed, uh, more access. They've got something to build on with that offensive line. They've got the speed now from the defense that they're wanting. They've got some fresh bodies in there with this draft. Uh, It it just – how – man, I don't even know. This is – last year, the only thing I could say is I don't know how good they're going to be, but they're going to be a blast to watch. This year, I think they're going to be – like legitimately good and be a an even more fun team to watch. The problem is is that everybody else you know gets better as well. You know it's it's not based on them getting better and everybody else staying the same. Everybody's trying to get better at the same time. So you really kind of keep your eyes on that and see what the rest of the AFC is doing. But in general, I think you have to be so excited right now for what the Colts are doing, even if you're a casual fan, because you want. I think. I think a lot of fans outside of probably the AFC South, but I think a lot of fans who always wanted to see Andrew Luck really kind of boom, I think they're going to see you know that this year too, especially after a phenomenal year coming back off his injury like he had last year.
1: Well, that's where I am to even go next, and I'm glad you mentioned him. What was the key about Andrew Luck's recovery? Because, geez, months before that, we are hearing national media reporting he might never play again.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that and wasn't. all of a
1: sudden he comes back and he he performs a level we haven't seen from him before.
2: And I think it's specul. When you get into the speculation of it, I guess everybody just kind of goes off of their own opinion. And, and as much as and as open as Ballard and them were about his recovery, we we didn't really know. I mean, the media didn't really know a whole lot. But there the those r- like just insane like he's never going to play again he may not he can't throw all this and that especially into the first couple weeks of the season last year that was just all bs i mean it was like where are they getting that because that's not anything close to what's actually happening on the field we saw it in training camp he let go of plenty 60 yard throws uh that was just not part of the offense at first that was it was just that simple And to have everybody getting all crazy and freak out that they didn't throw the ball downfield the first couple weeks of the season last year just seemed to be okay. So now I, I think that a lot of people who were there and actually in training camp and saw what he was doing in the preseason in terms of in practice and stuff like that. I think a lot of us, if you didn't already know about national media being just ridiculous that kind of led us to it. It led me to it anyways. I, I, I almost don't even pay attention to any of them anymore just because I, can, I saw how they turned that story into something that they tried to create. It wasn't something that was actually going on on the field.
1: Well, if I'm honest, I think I stopped paying attention to national media back when the Rams were moving to L.A. <laughs> because well, there were so many reports. That I won't say that person's name, but he used to write for Yahoo Sports and now writes for Blue Report. Mm-hmm. Who kept saying the Rams aren't going to move and aren't going to do this. And then he finally turns and changes his mind. And then it happens again. And after a while, you realize that they don't know. Right? They really don't know. But a lot of it, they kick off a of hearsay. The really good ones do know. The re- and I I didn't, I don't want anybody thinking I'm taking a complete and total shot at the national sports media, but I think we've seen it politically as well. Mm-hmm. There are some good ones and there's some bad ones. Yeah. And there are a lot of bad ones in sports media.
2: Yeah. The ones that really piss me off, to be perfectly honest with you, are the ones that go to practice, don't watch it, and then act like they've got takeaways from it. That that really yeah. <laughs> that burnt me. That burnt my butt a couple times watching uh, a couple guys. And like you said, I'll kind of keep their names to myself, but. A couple guys who plan to watch hours and hours of tape, they can't even watch an hour and a half of practice. Give me a break. I I don't trust them.
1: And you you can't. And in a lot of ways, this is not to pat ourselves on the back or anything, but I think in a lot of cases what happens is some of these podcasts out there actually know more about their team. Oh, for sure. And analyze more than the actual beat writers and beat people who actually cover the team. And it's sad. It shouldn't be that way. It should never be that way.
2: Yeah, I, I I tell you, I've I've been lucky enough to to meet some really good beat writers, guys that really take pride in what they're doing and watching it. Um, but it it really does. It's it's not. It doesn't seem the guys to be it, to me, at least my experience, doesn't seem that it's the local guys that that bluster as much as they can. Mm-hmm. It seems to be the guys that come in, you know, for that. They're for a trip. They're doing their little, uh, move around the AFC or their move around the, you know, the Midwest or whatever they're doing for said, you know, production, but, uh, just trash. I don't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even read their stuff after I saw some of them, the, what they were doing, uh, anymore at all.
1: Absolutely agree. And I,
2: and i stopped reading a lot of it now. Yeah. I
1: it's, focus more on, it's too bad on the because you stuff. really yeah. want
2: it, You really want other perspective too and that's the thing Mm -hmm. people people feel like they're getting other perspective they're not they're just getting a load of crap and that's the problem is that people buy into what they say and they read and what they hear from these guys and you know they they may have all the sources in the world but i mean my eyes and your eyes uh are watching the field and they're sitting there staring at the floor half the time that this i don't know how they could possibly be catching anything other than post practice interviews so i mean that's what they're taking their their uh, cues off of I don't know but anyways it, it I, I think there's a lot to be said for the guys who really put in the work to cover these teams like you said if I if I want to know something I'm going to go probably to somebody that maybe not even a lot of people know or that isn't quite as uh, you know popular so to speak among uh, most people I want to talk to the guys that, that get in there that uh, have been in practice for four and five six ten and uh, years that are really taking uh, you know, really taking the work to it. They're there for a reason because they're paying attention. And that's that's who I'm gonna listen to, at least when I gauge uh what I'm what they're seeing at practice.
1: And that's how it really needs to be. And we, this it is a profession for a reason. You call it a profession, you want to be a professional. You only can be professional is by actually doing the work to go with it. Yep. Now, speaking of the work, mm-hmm. okay, that's right. The Colts had some work to do. Mm, lots. There were some weaknesses. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, yep. You're at right, the overachieved. What were some of the weaknesses on the roster entering the offseason, and what did they do in free agency to close the
2: gaps in those weaknesses? Well, I think looking at at weakness, I mean, you're looking at overall team speed, which isn't really nailed down to one uh, one position, because it it actually lies on both sides of the ball, for that matter. They needed more speed on offense with wide receivers. They got some of that, not necessarily – uh, through free agency but they did get it with uh, you know it through the draft um, and, and I think that you look at the the defensive moves that they got obviously they they addressed pass rush you know and then, then they addressed some of the team speed obviously you get the pass rush it's not the youth you're looking for in Justin Houston but it is the experience and it is the fact that this guy could bust out 10 12 15 sacks Uh, Even at his current age, if given the opportunity, the Colts roster is a lot deeper, I think, than people give it credit for. Um, They've got some really interesting pieces up front. Uh, They've gotten rid of some of their bulk, you know, Hassan Ridgeway was traded away through the draft. Uh, Grover Stewart remains is kind of the big boy in the middle. He's the only guy really over 300 pounds, uh, along that defensive front. I mean, the closest thing outside of that is Marcus Hunt, who's 6'14. you know, he's a massive dude. Um, and I mean, the offensive line was in pretty good shape coming into everything. They didn't do a lot with uh, free agency, but what they did do is they did resign. They did extend some guys that, that earned it last year. Uh, They did, you know, obviously they they did what they needed to do with Pierre Dessert at the cornerback position. They did what they needed to do with uh, Marcus Hunt. They did what they needed to do with a couple other guys, and I think that that's really important. Um, Plus, you've got guys like Tyquan Lewis who are still here from last year who's going to make some big strides, in my opinion. Um, You've got a lot of depth now at that linebacking position. You've got guys who are actually – perfect for this defense now um and, and like i said there wasn't a lot through free agency that the colts did they grabbed uh spencer ware another piece in the backfield re-signed clayton Gathers. you know uh, added derrick kindred just some little names in my opinion here and there to kind of overall improve the the team's defense so i like what they did I I love the fact that they went out and got themselves uh, Devin Funchess. I think that he's an important addition to this team because uh, when we talk about weaknesses, let's talk about kind of the way that Frank Reich's offense is meant to be. Okay, Uh, A lot of people will go back to the Philly days or or just whatever with certain players here and there and kind of look at what they like to do. Uh, He adds – Funchess adds not only a – a bit of assistance inside the red zone, but he really gives them a possession type receiver to move across the middle, to get those passes, to be able to have that, that wingspan, that catch radius. That's so important in Mm -hmm. the, in those, in those pieces. And you're, you're, you're not looking for Devin Funches to go, you know, lead the league in yak. You're looking for him to catch passes, try to do something after the catch if at all possible, but be that big body who can secure those across the middle because what have they had in the past? I mean, they've had some some guys that are fairly good size. But, I mean, you're looking at, like, what, Chester Rogers. You're looking at, you know, a couple other guys. Some of their big guys on this team didn't even make the team, you know, this past year or were injured. You know, Zach Pascal, 6'2", he was kind of that guy, but he just wasn't really polished yet by any means. Uh, Marcus Johnson is a, is a pretty good-sized guy. But Steve Ishmael, Krishan Hogan, some of these other bigger guys on, on the roster, uh, even Derice Fountain, for that matter, they're not built like Funchess is. You know what I mean? Funchess is built yeah. for that role. Um, and, and I think that when you add that with their tight end packages that they're going to have this year, they're going to have a really good tight end room this year. It's going to be kind of insane, to be quite honest with you, because you like what Ross Travis brings. You've, you know what Jack Doyle and Eric Ebron – uh, bring to the team Mo Cox, kind of I wouldn't say broke out last year, but you can see that he has the ability to break out. So there's a lot of fun with that. Adding into the wide receivers, uh, adding into the backfield, the offensive line is kind of polished up right now. There, this is this is exactly where the Colts want to be right now. I think they want to be another draft and free agency from being a legit not playoff contender but Super Bowl contender, and then you get to that point. Where these guy where Chris Ballard sees maybe we're a guy or two away on this or that side of the ball, and now we're going to really make a push in free agency. The Colts are gonna have a crap ton of money next year too. So this is this is the two year span in my opinion, where you kind of go for broke. You you see what you got, you you remain patient, but you also understand that if there's a couple spots here where you can get some of that youth, you throw the you throw the checkbook at a couple guys and maybe you maybe you really take another stride the following season.
1: So, how do you rate the Colts draft overall? We, we've seen we've heard a lot of good things in terms of ratings forward, a lot of great feedback about it. How do you rate it yourself?
2: I, I mean, it, it, giving you a grade so weird, but I mean, you you just in in your own mind. I think you look at the, kind of uh, the range from an A minus to a B plus. Anywhere in there is fine with me, or even a B for that matter, because you don't know what these guys are right now. But you got a really athletic long corner in Rocky Sin, you know, in the second round of all places. Uh, I didn't see Ben Benogu as a edge, uh, a real edge guy. But I like the fact that Chris Ballard spoke about how much he loved his speed. And they're going to work him at Sam uh, to start out as opposed to uh, coming off the edge as a pure defensive end right now. And I think that's a wise decision uh, because he does have the team. He does have the speed. He does have the ability to be a pass rusher, but he's not polished yet. And whatever they want to do with him in the next couple of years is one thing. But I like the, I like that they're able to find not just guys, but find guys who can mul- be multiple and in multiple positions and succeed and help the team succeed. Uh, Paris Campbell, like I said, you love his speed. You love his length. You love the things that he can do after the catch um okariki is a really underrated guy been, and has been getting you know quite a bit of uh acclaim coming out of rookie camp they they really like what he brings they think that he and darius leonard could be you know the the twosome that that the afc fears for the year next years to come so he's going to be one to really watch i think that you like everything you've seen so far with those guys then you get into willis um, EJ Speed, something that no, we just don't know anything about him. Um, but you look at other things in there, um, Jerry Green, who's an actual pure edge, you know, different things like that that they brought in with this draft class. You have to love what they did. Now you don't see the big names, you don't see the Josh Allen in here, obviously, and it's not just because of where the Colts picked, but you look look at the collective of the of the guys who they brought in, and you see that this is a this is a not just a building block draft, but this is a draft where you've made a lot of positions better. You've improved the overall status of the roster in terms of talent. And you really, like I said, you've gotten the depth kind of figured out now in a lot of different uh, places to where you may be a guy or two in the next year or so from really becoming, you know, watch out for the Colts because they're real this year. You know what I mean? That kind of feeling, uh, not just locally, but nationally.
1: So, on paper, mm-hmm. where are the Colts now entering 2019 for the AFC South? And how many wins do you expect from them next year?
2: I think you. I think we're in that same spot. the The division is so talented. In a well, let me let me rephrase that. the The division is is so um, competitive. Okay, rather than talented, there's a lot of talent in there. Uh, whether each team gets through. You know the, the the bumps in the road is kind of weird because AFC South sometimes you'll see teams just crumble that are far more talented than what they show, um, and the Colts have done that themselves. So I mean it's not just the other teams that I'm talking about. Uh, I, I think that you're looking in that same range. Uh, I think they could win eight games. I think they could be a 500 team, but I also think they could win 11. You know maybe uh, Andrew Luck starts going on. You getting you could get to 12 wins. It's it's a it's a hard team. And it's a hard division, in my opinion, to really just place uh, a, a, an arbitrary number, so to speak, on wins, because there are so many things at play with this. the The division did get better. There's a new quarterback in Jacksonville. You you know they think that they've gotten Mariota some more weapons now. Their defense was already tough. The defense was tough in in Jack or in Houston. And you know, do they get? another you know do they get their offensive line squared away you know because if they do then they've got an offense you know if they don't then they've got real troubles for the future so it's really hard to say uh right now but I think that they are in that range anywhere from eight to 12 wins that's that seems like a that's a massive window And I get that that's a terrible answer but I, I I just really don't know yet uh I want to see what they do in training camp I want to see how um how much of a continuation they've brought this year uh, in terms of really buying into the culture and everything else, and if they bought in, you, this is going to be a really hard team to beat for anybody. And I don't just mean the AFC South. This is going to be a hard team for everybody. They're going to be a team that scratches and claws and, and really busts out uh, in front of a lot of teams and surprises a lot of teams. Even though they're they're getting some acclaim right now for uh, you know for for making themselves significantly better over the past year.
1: All right, Matt, can you tell people where they can find you?
2: yeah check me out on twitter at MDanley sb um you can listen to the colts cast uh it is the stampede blue colts cast you can get it on itunes stitcher any anywhere you get those our uh our main hub is through the megaphone um but yeah you can check it out we do a few colts casts every week and uh if you guys are interested look me up and uh, listen to the show
1: absolutely thanks so much for taking the time again um it's always good getting some real great co- football conversation with you, and hopefully we're talking again. Maybe you never know. You never know. Maybe even a Super Bowl.
2: Hey, hey, I appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me on. And sorry, I feel like I gave so many general answers tonight because it's just that uh, this is just a fun, fun year for the Colts to, you know, kind of make that leap, see where they're at on that mountain. You know what I mean? It's kind of it's all cliche, I guess, but it, it just seems like it, they're they're so close, but they can still be a year or two away.
1: Well I, I don't I don't want to take him as general answer. I take him as in you know you you probably there's a really good chance the AFC South is the toughest division in football next year. Mm-hmm. Very possible. And when you have that when you have that level of competition, you don't know how the chips are gonna fall. You'll know where the injuries are gonna be, you don't know how the draft picks are gonna be. It's a lot easier say to look at the NFC East right now, where you really only have two contenders mm-hmm. to kind of space things out. Or even the AFC East, where it's really just the Patriots and everybody else. It's really easy to say, okay, well, this is how it's going to lay out. Mm-hmm. You try and put out all four of these teams can flip around. Even the even the Jaguars are still pieces in, in Jacksonville to make a quick recovery. So it's really hard to say where anybody's going to land that division. Right.
2: Yeah, it's going to be exciting. It's going to be a blast. It really, I think the AFC is, and, and the AFC South more particularly is going to be a lot of fun for people to watch next year. Just good football. Overall, good football. Deshaun Watson, I hope he's at, at uh, tip top. I hope Mariota's at tip top, and I hope Foles comes back. And actually plays well because if they do, and the Colts are successful, that tells you that the Colts are further along than people even would guess.
1: I think they are pretty far along. Mm -hmm. They they uh, they show their chops lately, especially. I think so. All right, have a great one. We'll talk to you soon. All right, thank you, Derek. Stampede blue.